Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Greg Medford Show. We're here at Blade Show 2022 in Atlanta, Georgia. I have got the C- president CEO. President CEO or CEO? President CEO. President and CEO of K-Bar Knives here, John Stitt. John, thanks for coming on the show with thanks us. Thanks for having me, Greg. How you doing? I'm doing great. We met yesterday, of course. Me, my big mouth, Marine, leans over the counter. I'm like, look at you, Dapper. Where'd you show up from Europe here? And then, and then one of the guys is over, that's the CEO of K-Bar. I'm like, ah, jeez, I'm such a big mouth. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How's the show going for you guys? Awesome. Been wonderful. Been wonderful. It's great to see this traffic and people out and about, and you know, it's just nice to nice ba- to not be in our houses anymore. Yeah, kind of back to America. Yeah. You guys got locked down pretty hard up in New York, huh? We did. We were ground zero. Well, at least New York City was, and you know, we're we're quite a ways away from there. But yeah. uh, New York, because we fall, New York goes as New York City goes. So yeah. And uh, so they locked us down real hard, real quick, and then. You know, you're of course limited about how many people you can have at work and yeah. that stuff. So, um, how? Just give me a little lay of the land. Um, does your family own the? Are you guys shareholders or majority shareholders? How, how, how did you get into the K Bar world? Sure. Uh, so my dad actually worked for um, out of college. He worked for Alcoa Aluminum, and he worked for one of their plants in where for wherever in Chillicothe, Ohio. He got transferred to this little knife plant in only in New York called Alcas, which was a joint venture between Alcoa and Case. And so they moved to New York in 1975. And like a lot of the old, you know, blue chip companies, when you worked for them, they transferred you often if you were doing well. So every two, three years, they transferred you to another location. So yeah. So we, uh, we got transferred out of New York. We lived there for six years. We got transferred out of New York in 1982 to North Carolina, to Conover, North Carolina, and we were there for two years. And at that point, um, a group of the, old dire- the directors from Alcas reached out to my dad and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to buy the company off Alcoa. Do you want it? Which he, he did. Uh, so in 1982, they bought the company off Alcoa. We moved back to New York, and we're trying, trying to get this knife factory going. So I was like, and what were they calling it at that time? It was Alcas, A L C A S. So when they bought it, they didn't get rid of the Alcoa part. No. Okay. No, because it kept it. Yeah, it kept it in the name. Okay. Case had nothing to do with it. The case had had exited, you know, okay. 15 years prior okay. to that. Okay. Um, and then. So at that point, they became part owners. My dad became part owner in uh, in that company. And then, as as time has gone on, he is the only one of the original owners left. And there's new some new owner groups, but the the Stitt family we are the uh, we're the largest largest shareholder of Cutco Corp. Oh, and so how did Outcast and Cut how did that become Cutco? It did because the main. When when they bought the company, Outcast used to be known as the knife maker, knife knife makers, knife maker, and they made knives for, they made the Remington Bullet, they made knives for Eck, they made knives for, um, they made knives for Cold Steel for a short period of time, when Lynn was early on in, in his career, um, Winoko diving knives, so they made Zippo case, they made knives for everybody, but they also had a product line, Cutco, which was a remnant of the oh. old Wherever company. Okay. Because wherever was doing pots and pans, they would do hope chesting, which, if you're younger, you have no clue what that means. Right, right, hope chesting right. is essentially a dowry that a woman would go into her marriage. <laughs> she, she's got all of her stuff. She needs to be a housefrau. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Right. <laughs> and that was door to door sales back in those Correct. days, right? Yeah. Correct. And this, so the and so what, Cutco became oh, Cutco was a subsidiary within the holding group, and it became the primary because it, that's that's what 
the majority of the sales of all the company became Cutco, and they got rid of all of the private label stuff they were doing, all the OEM. So at, there became a point in time when the name Outcast did not fit with what the company was now, right. which was Cutco. Right. And so you guys shifted over to the use of what was heretofore a subsidiary name, and it became the primary. Correct. And then tell me how the uh, K-Bar Cutco relationship happened. So in 1996, the, that the then president of, of K-Bar, a um, guy by the name of Bob Reinschreiber, who had a relationship with my father, reached out and said, look, it, things aren't good here. Um, I think you guys should buy this. So they were you know, not far away from going into bankruptcy. Dad still calls it a decision of the heart, not of the head, because on paper, <laughs> on paper, it was a terrible decision. Man, I've had a bunch of those. Yeah, um, <laughs> you look at it now, and it's like it was a brilliant. You're like, decision. how could you not do it yeah. now? But at the time, it was uh, risky. Yeah, and, and K Bar, K Bar, and its and its origins, you know, 1898 is when we were founded, but we moved only in in 1902. So K Bar had been had a relationship with the town of Olean, New York for for almost a hundred years at that point right, right. and it was something that my my dad being in manufacturing and with his midwest roots in ohio and at the time in 96 if a company got sold a lot of times it meant the entire product line went overseas yeah and that's why he calls it a decision of the heart not of the head because he couldn't stomach it the owner group couldn't stomach letting K-Bar do that, so they bought they bought the company. And there was three or four knives, maybe that we still have in the line today, that were in the line then. Right. Of course, number one being the Marie yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, I tell you, so I have a hallowed connection with K-Bar as a Marine. Um, I was in the Middle East, and I had a. Uh, what did I have? I had a SOG uh, made in Washington buoy, and I had a K-Bar. And my grandfather dies, my Western grandfather, who had been in the cavalry in World War One, and, and uh, he was just kind of a badass Texan, lived in Arizona, you know, where my dad was born, and instrumental in my life, like fix everything, make, you know, self-determinism, if you need it, make it, fix it, don't buy new. And it... Uh, that's helpful being a knife a knife maker because you figure out you know you got to find a way to make it all work and not waste and uh, obviously made it through the depression so I have that all of that kind of formative stuff those men the men and women who lived through the depression they know about real hard times you yeah know, like wondering about food stuff that our generation has not had to worry no. about and uh, and my battalion commander said hey I got bad news for your father your grandfather's passed away and uh, we could send you home, but we'd rather not because we're getting ready to go into Kuwait right now, and we'd prefer to have you with us. And I was wearing my K-Bar. I took it off, and I handed it to him. I said, can you get it in his coffin? And they put it in his coffin. It's ghost. I, I, I shared a picture. I told someone today, I said, you know, I just met Greg yesterday, and I, said, I told him a story, and I said, I think I might have begun to see a little bit of moisture start to formulate because... The story I was telling was about ghosts and about oh, yeah. a decision I made that was not popular. And you get it. Oh, yeah. You get oh, yeah. the ghosts that are there. Yep. And I think about it sometimes when I miss him, and I know it's just laying there on his chest because my dad put it in his chest, put it on his chest. And I'm like, oh, it 
It weighs heavy on me sometimes. You know exactly where it is, though. Yep. Well, listen, um, you know, when I told you, I told you something. I said, you know, when I got in the knife business, I wanted to run K-Bar. That was my deal. I said, I'm going to do something, and then I'm going to buy K-Bar. Well, you guys are doing really well, and I'm happy for you. And uh, if you do need someone to buy, you make sure you let, you know, give me, give me a call. We'll let me you know. You're on the list. <laughs> um, talk to me a bit. Uh, a little bit about some of the trends you see maybe in the knife business for a couple minutes. I know you got stuff to do and I'll cut you loose, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, what do you see going on in the knife world right now that's most interesting? Um, What's the most interesting thing you've seen since you've been here? You know, the one thing that the last two d- years I think that has been really good for the knife industry is one, everyone's had their challenges. Um, whether it's supply chain or you know, raw materials, employment, you know, there's all sorts of challenges. But it's also led to a lot of innovation, which if you couldn't get you know, X, because it's not available, you better figure a way out to do something else or you're not shipping it. You know, if you're holding up you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in orders for one part, find a different part. Yeah. You know? And so I think that there's been some really good innovation um, of people just getting getting craftier again out of necessity. Yep. Um, which which always then is followed by then just like kind of like a surge of of this ingenuity and this craftiness. And so I look at it as like the next three, four, five years that there's going to be just a, a really nice transition into really neat innovations in the, in the industry. Um, you know, you look at the prior prior 2020, um, you didn't see a bunch different from like 2016, 2020. Everything kind of looked the same or everyone yep. was following other trends. Yep. Um, I, I think we're at the precipice of that changing for the next five years. I think isolation does that. It does. Um, when you're all, all seeing each other all the time, all doing all the comparing and pictures and Instagram, everyone starts to crossbreed their thinking and everything lock everybody up for a couple of years and all of a sudden you're in your own box and you're like hey you start thinking outside the box because you're in your own space i i have a tendency to never look at anybody's knives i don't look at what anyone's else is doing people always say god your knives i can tell they're yours from across the room uh and uh it's it's because i'm like oh i don't look at anybody else's stuff not because there isn't wonderful stuff but it cross pollinates your brain and i want to keep my own dna and what i do you know sure um any cool products that you'd like to talk about that K-Bar's uh, kind of putting out this year or have on the imminent horizon? Maybe you could break a little news with us. What do you have? Do you have anything really kind of cool in the Skunk Works that's coming up? The uh, One of the biggest problems we had was, and I'm, 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 this is not a unique K-Bar problem, I'm sure. We were so busy just shipping current models because you, you might sell, you know, 1X of this thing. It didn't just turn into like 2X. It was like, 14x. Yeah. So, product development to a lot pushed aside. It, totally. Yeah. And like we're so damn busy doing what we got. Yep. Yeah. I, I've had the same thing happen. We had products that were getting that were close to being finished, and those you know got launched over the last two years. And the biggest problem was we didn't we weren't backfilling them in the product development cycle because there was no time. Right. Um. So focused on production. You got it. Yeah. We've got a couple of uh, of uh, 
the products in our kid, our lifestyle brand, like that's the, the plastic stuff. We got some things in there that are kind of neat. We just, uh, we launched here at Blade or, or slightly before, which one was a slingshot. That's what, you know, I, I'm not a slingshot guy, but my guys are, and they all liked it and said, we should do this. Well, they, they were right. You know, it's great. <laughs> we got, uh, I'm not a golfer, but we got golfers who work for us and, and some friends who, outside friends who, who wanted to make this product. We got a, a line of, uh, golf tees and divot tools called cape har <laughs> okay that's great yeah that's 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 uh that's we got the registered mark for that so that's going to be cool i'm sure we'll sell a ton of them the pizza cutter and the ice cream scoop were things that came out more recently and they closed down on your stores kmart that was so weird yeah all the, <laughs> all the k's are gone you're, man. You're where you were kmart yeah no. <laughs> oh that's all they got at kbar nizer it's fantastic yeah uh the the other thing that now the one thing we've been be able to get back to the one thing we had to really abandon was all, our custom shop um, mm. because we needed all the employees doing yeah making where, stuff where, and warehouse right so everyone kind of got shifted out but now we've been able to get back to it again so one of the products that um, we had a couple of them last year we brought them to Blade Show we're like well we got some of these let's just bring them see what happens and it was a uh, what we it was a red spacer K bar which the Red Spacer K-Bar was the first K-Bar that they made during World War II because they made different variations of the knife during World War II yep. um, as things changed or they found weak spots. Where's the Red Spacer? What's that? Tell us. Give us a story quick. So that's the first one, and that's uh, had a Red Spacer right below the guard. It had a skinnier guard, and it had a uh, peened-on pummel. Yep. So it was just hammered on. Yep. Well, the handles, once they got wet and shrunk, then the pummel became loose, the guard became loose, and the whole knife wiggled. Was a problem. Yeah. So they went to a threaded, threaded butt cap. Well, the threaded butt cap then broke, and then they went to a pinned butt cap, which is the version that we make in production now. So the red spacer K bar, which is the original spec K bar, we make by hand in our custom shop. So Why is it called a red spacer? Has a red one red spacer, in it. and that's one that flexes for the shrinkage. Nope. It's it was early on in the war. They were making it pretty. By the end of the war, they didn't care. It was just how many knives. Oh, you're up. kidding! Mm-mm. Do you have one over there in the account? Oh, I'm gonna go check it out. That's just awesome. We don't have any marine models. <laughs> All the marine models we sold. So we did. We've done actually did four runs of them this year, and every time we've did batches of 25. Every time we put them up, they were gone in 15 minutes. Well, you, you know, you guys have like this built-in rabid customer base that uh, graduates from boot camp every uh, couple of weeks. So it's a uh, it's a built-in connected piece of business genius how anybody almost ran that into the ground is uh staggering you know what the crazy part is, is and we figured this out not you know not long after we were started running running the company yeah, it's probably seven eight years is the thing that we found is when every, all the all the catalogs and the advertising everything from about 1950 to 19 or to 2005 yeah had the tagline, K-Bar was there. I'm a marketing, sales and marketing oh, That's guy. a genius line, man. But the, here was the problem with it. The word was. <laughs> what does that mean? Right, past tense. That you're not. <laughs> K-Bar is there. Did you change it to is? We just dropped it. We just dropped, you know, you're, you're making yourself irrelevant to the next generation of consumers because your consumer, you know, if you got a consumer demographic that's 18 to 35, Every year you lose one right. age and you right. gain another one. Right. They weren't doing anything to acquire new consumer bases. And that's that's where we kind of caught on. And I get it. We've done, you know, 
We've done nice. Hey, let me so. ask you something. Has a, has a Marine ever run the company? I don't think so. How old are you? I'm 45. Oh, Jesus Christ, you're younger than me by a good piece. So when you're ready to punch out of there and go uh, jaunt around Europe in nice suits and you want a Knuckle Dragon Heathen, you guys look me up, okay? We'll do. Yeah, you guys should have a Marine at some point. <laughs> do that. You can bring me on as a mascot. Yeah. Hey, uh, absolute pleasure, uh, all tongue-in-cheek aside. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your time to come talk. One of the companies that was kind of formative in my youth, and, uh, and uh, there are very few people who understand the lineage, the line, the ghosts, behind and the sentiment behind these products there are very few people uh, other than sentimental marines and combat vets and guys who carried them you know often spooky places away from home and i uh, appreciate you kind of keeping the standard uh it's my honor and my duty and it's something that i take extremely seriously but i appreciate that thank you yeah, i can tell hey thanks pleasure meeting you thank you Pre- appreciate it so much all right hey uh you know, what a pleasure I get to not all, not just the politicians and the congressmen and the senators and the governors, not just that, but heads of really cool companies and American brands, interesting characters. And uh, that's, uh, that's our wrap with K-Bar here at Blade Show 2022 from The Greg Medford Show. I'm out.